go to the place in my notes where it says five ways to resurrect trust in a relationship. Now, I'm assuming that you and I have relationships and that we've already done some things to uh, break them. And we've already done some damage in them. Just about everybody I know knows that trust is important in relationships. Now, what is trust? Well, it's kind of hard to define. It's an intangible. But you know it when you have it, and you know it when you don't. Would you agree with that? Everybody knows what trust is, no matter who they are. And I just want to show you uh, in, a, in a relationship that Jesus had, a friendship that Jesus had. Now, this, as we're talking about trust this morning, uh, I'm, I'm talking about loyalty. I'm talking about being able to have faith in someone. I'll never forget uh, going to uh, uh, TBN Studios one time, and we were doing, I was doing an interview there. And as I was leaving, uh, the lady said to me, um, I need to tell you something. And uh, she looked at me and she said, your betrayer is close by. I thought, is this like a word from the Lord? And, you know, what, what are you saying to me? And, and she said, it, it, it's so close. It's somebody you'd go to lunch with. And I said, okay. And uh, that week, I ended up going to lunch with another guy who um, ended up later doing some things that really hurt me in ministry. He really broke my trust and was not a faithful friend. And it was amazing because... Now, I don't trust him farther than I can throw him. Should a pastor say that? No, I've forgiven him, right? I've forgiven him. That's different. But do I trust him? No. <laughs> Not at all. Why? Because the trust which was broken was never restored. There was never a restoration of the trust. So everybody has relationships where the trust gets broken. The key is not, uh, you know, how to fall in love. The key is how to stay in love. It, the key is, you know, the, the, the issue is not how do we make friends as much as it's how do we keep friends. So let's talk about that. And I just want to show you from the life of Jesus about his resurrection and how it was a powerful thing that Jesus did. Jesus had a friend named Thomas. How many of you have ever heard of Doubting Thomas? Yes. Now, before he was Doubting Thomas, he was Doting Thomas. He was devoted. He was a, he was a strong believer in Jesus. Now, when we first meet Thomas, it's in John 11. Jesus had a, another friend named Lazarus who was on his sickbed. He got the news, and Jesus is canceling his appointments... He's rearranging his schedule so that he can go see his friend Lazarus. The only problem is Lazarus lives in a part of Israel where the people who live there don't like Jesus. In fact, if Jesus shows his face back there in that part of Israel, it's very likely they'll try to kill him. But Jesus is determined to go see his sick friend Lazarus. So, and John, the the, the the disciples say to him, Rabbi, just now the Jews tried to stone you, and are you going there again? You're going back to that part of Israel when they tried to kill you? 
Jesus says he is, and Thomas, his friend, speaks up and says, let's go so that we may die with him. Notice Thomas says, all right, I give in. Jesus, I love you. I'm loyal to you. I, I, you know, I, I will follow you to the ends of the earth, and if you're going to go back into that region where they tried to kill you, knowing that it's possible, well, I guess I'll go with you. And I, Lord, I'm ready to die with you. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? You ever had somebody that you felt like would be willing to die for you? Really, really ready to die with you. Well, Thomas says, I'm ready. Let's go so that we may die with him. He's, he's such a good friend. He's, he's a strong believer. Thomas was loyal. It's a lot of trust and love and loyalty. Somewhere along the way, though, their relationship had been born and it had been built. But then inevitably, Jesus and Thomas have a conflict. Now, do you know what the conflict was in their relationship? This conflict absolutely broke the relationship. Do you know what this was? It was Jesus' crucifixion. Jesus died. I mean, Thomas and Jesus are really good friends. Everything's going along smoothly, and then Jesus has to go get crucified. And he left Thomas behind. And Thomas was not happy. Because Thomas had trusted Jesus. Thomas thought that Jesus was going to be his best friend forever. He thought that he was going to be the Messiah. And then all of that belief and all of that faith and all of that trust was destroyed when Jesus was, was crucified on the cross. He was dead. It was done. Now what? Now what is Thomas supposed to do? There's nothing for Thomas to do but grow more cynical and more angry and more resentful. Unbeknownst to Thomas, however, Jesus had something up his sleeve, and we know that three days after his crucifixion, Jesus did what? He rose. He rose from the dead. He appeared to the disciples as the living, breathing Savior, but Thomas wasn't there on this particular occasion. And here's what the, the Bible says in verse 24. But one of the twelve, Thomas, called twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Jesus has risen, and now he's appearing. Verse 25, so the other disciples kept telling him, telling Thomas, we've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. They're, kept, they're so excited. But he, Thomas, said to them, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. Wow. Do you see what died in Thomas? Thomas was like ready to go die with Jesus. He said, let's just go with Jesus. We'll die with him. Now he's saying, I don't believe anymore. My trust is gone. Jesus is dead. And, and unless, unless he shows up and lets me put my hand inside of these wounds, I'm not going to believe. You can forget that. Where had all the trust gone? Where was all the faith? Thomas's trust had died with Jesus. And yet Jesus' death wasn't like any other, was it? Jesus rose from the dead. We talked about that last week. Remember the three E's of Easter? And so Jesus rose from the dead. And now Thomas is hearing stories of Jesus. And I think it's appropriate to say at this point that Jesus and Thomas' friendship was on life support. I mean, it may even be appropriate to say it was dead. Thomas didn't believe anymore. 
Now, let me make this analogy to our friendships and to our relationships. Um, I, I don't know. I think, I, mean, I think I've told you this story before about how uh, I was working at, before I became a pastor, I was working at GNC, General Nutrition Store, and my manager was married, and we were working the register one day, and we had quite a line of customers, and his wife called angry, and I can hear her cussing him out on the phone, and he looks at me like the new guy, and he's like, here. He hands me the phone to talk to his wife, I guess because he knew I was going into ministry. I'm like, uh, what what do you want me to say? She sounds mad. (laughs) Woman, mad, what do I say? And and so I got on the phone, and I I was talking to her, and I just said, look, you know, why did you marry him in the first place? <laughs> now, before, let me qualify that and just say, there had to be a reason that you married him in the first place. That's what I basically said to her was, what was that reason? There was something you liked about him, right? There was something that attracted you to him. What was it? And then I started to talk to her about how those kinds of feelings and, and love gets, gets buried under piles and piles of life. At first, it was just about boy meets girl. We fell in love. We want to spend the rest of our life together. And then all of a sudden, we have a mortgage, and we have children, and we have responsibilities. And all of these things pile on, and all of a sudden, you can't see the love anymore because of the big pile of responsibilities. Well, I told her that you know, there were situations like this we can forget very easily about the kind of person we, we know they are. And that we love. And it was no different for Thomas and Jesus. When Jesus' body was buried, Thomas's trust got buried too. Jesus went into the tomb, and so did Thomas's trust. It was done. It was done. I mean, Thomas was one of those guys. Thomas would have been considered uh, a skeptic today, probably in some ways, because he could smell uh, lies a mile away. He could smell hypocrisy a mile away. And he didn't want anything to do with it. As a matter of fact, the first time Jesus ever met Thomas, Jesus said of him, Behold, uh, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. Jesus said, Wow, now here's an honest Jew. <laughs> and, and so he met Thomas, and that's how Jesus described him. Every relationship goes through this pattern. Gets to a point where you have a conflict, and it either, and it either from there gets better or it gets bitter. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's, it, it's that. Now, it's interesting because at this point in Jesus and Thomas' relationship, Jesus made a very specific decision. He decided that when he resurrected from the dead, he was going to go back and earn Thomas's trust. I like this about Jesus. Jesus does some specific things. And by the way, if you're in a situation, in a relationship, where you feel like you've broken trust... It's not their fault, it's yours. What can you do to earn trust back in that relationship? I remember reading a story by Stephen Covey in in his book, Trust. He talked in his book on trust, and he talks about how he was working for a Wall Street firm, and he went into this big meeting, and they they had this meeting with all of these high-profile people, and you could tell none of them trusted each other. None of them. And they walked out, and Stephen Covey was talking to this other guy who was one of his bosses, and the guy said, you know what the problem is? I just don't trust so-and-so. And so Stephen looks at him and says, well, why don't you work on that? He says, what do you mean work on that? 
It's trust, man. You either have it or you don't. Stephen Covey said, no, that's not true. Trust is something you can earn. Trust is something you can lose. It's also something you can win back. And that's what I want to share with you. There were five things Jesus did, very specifically. Number one, resolve to let nothing stand between you and the other person. Notice this. After eight days, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them this time. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Now, this is Jesus appearing after his resurrection. He's He's been resurrected for eight days. At this point, Jesus knows that Thomas has lost trust for him. So Jesus makes a decision. He decides to revisit the disciples again when Thomas is there. Did you notice that? On one of the occasions Jesus appeared to them, Thomas wasn't there. And all the disciples said, Thomas, we've seen Jesus. He said, baloney. He's dead. I don't believe it. So Jesus makes another appearance to Thomas and the the disciples when Thomas is there. He makes sure Thomas is there. And John the writer makes a special effort to tell us Thomas was with them. It's very important. He says even the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them. Jesus makes a special trip to see the disciples because he wants Thomas to trust him again. Now, had Jesus done anything wrong? No, of course not. Jesus was fulfilling God's plan, right? I mean, when the Romans were executing Jesus, Jesus was executing God's plan of salvation. Does that make sense? So Jesus hadn't done anything wrong. And so in that way, our relationships are much different because really none of us can claim to be Jesus, right? None of us would claim, anybody in here claim to be perfect? No, me either. So, because we're not Jesus and we're not perfect, we're going to sin. Sometimes we're going to hurt one another on purpose. And sometimes we're going to do it and we didn't mean to. And so we're going to have to be willing to forgive and earn trust and give trust. You have to decide that you're not going to let anything stand between you and that friend. You and that person There's a wall in between Jesus and his disciples, and what does Jesus do? He doesn't turn around and say, well, there's a wall there, I guess. I guess we weren't really meant to be friends. He doesn't come there and say, well, uh, you know, it'll take too much work to get through this wall. I'll just do it another day. He doesn't turn and say, Thomas has hurt me for the last time. He doesn't say, I can find another friend just as good as Thomas. No, what does he do? He walks through that wall. So what's the wall that's keeping the trust out of the relationships that you're in? Jesus walked through that wall. He decided there was no wall that was going to stand in his way. Will you do that in your relationships? Are you willing to break down walls so that you can earn trust again in your relationships. Remember, we're talking about Relationships 101, and we're going to be talking for three weeks about the keys of relationships. The first key of a great relationship is what? Trust. If you have trust, you have everything. If you don't have trust, you have nothing. And so Jesus says, even though I'm running up against this wall, 
I'm going to go through it because I want to earn trust. Have you resolved to let nothing stand between you and that person? Sometimes one thing that stands in our way is pride. Jesus could have said, you know, Thomas is going to have to come to me. Really, Jesus could have said that, couldn't he? Jesus had risen from the dead. Jesus is king of the world. He could have said, Thomas, you're going to have to come to me. I didn't break trust. I'm just doing what the Father wants me to do. You lost your faith. You're going to have to come back to me, buddy. Jesus doesn't play that game, though. Jesus loves him, and he says, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to keep pursuing you. Isn't that great that we serve a God who keeps pursuing us even when our faith is low? Isn't that awesome? See, growing up, I was taught that God goes away from me when I sin. In fact, the Bible teaches that when we sin, God still is pursuing us. Even when our faith is almost non-existent. Secondly, be sensitive to timing in your relationship. Be sensitive to timing. The Bible says after eight days, Thomas was with them. Jesus also kind of teaches us something about timing in our relationships. Hey, you know, saying the right thing at the wrong time can be just as bad as saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes, you know, so, something can, can something be true and irrelevant at the same time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it can be. You know, I'm thankful that, that we gave testimony to Ken's mom and what a wonderful Christian witness she is. She's with the Lord now. Isn't that amazing? She's in the bosom of Christ now. She's not suffering anymore. But if, if I as a pastor go to a funeral and I do a funeral and I know that the fellow who has passed away was not a saint and he was a rascal and I stand up there and I try to talk about how this person was a saint and I, and I try to go through, it, it might not be the best time to try to do that. No, I'm thankful that we, we don't have to worry about that with so many of our friends, but did you notice that Jesus is waiting for just the right time to appear to his friend Thomas? And so this is strategic on Jesus' part. He goes to see Thomas after eight days, and Jesus gives Thomas some time to work through his trust issue. Sometimes we, gotta, sometimes we have to give people time to work through their trust issue. The fact is, trust develops daily, not in a day. So Jesus patiently is giving Thomas time. Jesus had been alive for eight days, but he waited eight days until he went to see Thomas. Because for Thomas, it was the best time to wait eight days. Sometimes when you get into a conflict with someone that you care about, your way is to talk about it. You want to talk about it right away because that's how you process things. Let's sit down and talk. Let's figure it out. Let's address it. Stop putting it under the rug. And they're just like, give me a break. I need some space. Sometimes you have to be sensitive to the other person and knowing what they need. Thirdly, speak peacefully to the other person. We're just talking about how to re-earn trust in relationships. How do you re-earn trust? Speak peacefully to the other person. I like what Jesus says in John 21, 26. He said, peace to you. He says, I come in peace. 
You know what he's basically, you know, you know a phrase that I'll use sometimes when, when I'm in a conflict with somebody? I'll, I'll look at them and I'll say, you're not on trial here. You're not on trial. What? I'm not judging you. There's no judgment here. No matter how, I'll, sometimes I'll say, no matter how this turns out, we're going to get through this together. No matter how this turns out. What am I saying to the person? I'm saying to them, I care more about you than I do about being right. I care more about the relationship than I do about being right. And I mean no harm. I want peace between us. And that's what Jesus was doing. Dick, I got up that time. He's the man. He told me the last time I did that, he was scared I wasn't going to be able to stand up again. <laughs> Jesus says, peace to you. He says, I'm, just, I'm here on a peaceful mission here. I, I want to resolve this. I'm not here to prove a point. I'm here to make a friend and re-earn trust. And so he's setting the tone of the conversation with him. You know, um, there's, there's two things that we do sometimes that sets the tone in our relationships. And that, those are the types of words that you choose and the tone of voice that you use. You know, isn't there a big difference if I'm talking to someone and I say, what's your problem, man? Or if I say, hey, man, what's the problem? There's a big difference in those two tone of voices, isn't there? Big difference. One says, you're a problem, I'm going to deal with you. And the other says, hey, there's a problem, but I'm your friend and I'm on your side and let's try to figure it out together. So tone of voice is huge in our friendships and relationships. So are the words that we choose. I want you to know that you are in control of the words you use. You control that. Jesus controlled his tongue and he set a positive tone in this relationship. He just said, peace to you. So when you're in a conflict with someone, you know, the Bible talks about a soft answer turns away wrath. Ask yourself, what can I say? How can I talk to this person in a way that lets them know I'm, I mean no harm but just to be their friend? How can I talk to them in that way? How can I speak to them in such a way that I, I'm not making them defensive? They don't feel cornered, but they feel loved and honored. You know, have you ever seen people whose relationship is in trouble? I mean, it's almost over. And they say things like, you know, we want things to work out between us. But then they say things to each other they wouldn't say to their dog or their cat. See, that, that's a big deal in relationships, how we treat one another. Fourthly, be open and vulnerable with the other person. I like what Jesus does right here. It says, then he, Jesus, said to Thomas, put your finger here and observe my hands. Jesus could have said, you unbelieving little brat, I am Jesus Christ, the king of the world, and you choose not to believe me? Now, he could have been done with Thomas right there, but Jesus wasn't. What does Jesus give Thomas? By the way, I said last week that Jesus doesn't expect you to leave your brain at the door when you become a Christian. Jesus could have 
could have scolded Thomas for his lack of faith. But you know what Jesus does? Jesus doesn't scold him. Jesus gives him evidence. He says, here, put your hand in there. What's this called, Thomas? It's called evidence. I'm real. I was dead, and now I'm alive again. Feel it. See it. Hear my voice. Touch. As many of your senses as you can get involved in this little experiment, do it. Because this is evidence. And so Jesus doesn't scold him. He gives him evidence. Just like we talked about last week. Put your finger in here and observe my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. He's opening himself up to Thomas. He's saying, look, I'm going to let you see me and understand me. I'm going to show you my wounds. I'm going to show you my scars. Now, have you ever noticed that in relationships when communication is broken down, And one person goes to the other and begins to tell them about something they went through. The other person begins to soften. And then they feel more comfortable to tell this person what they've been through. Because people are really sharing their wounds with one another. They're saying, here are my scars, and they're ugly, and I'm ashamed of them, but this is me, and this is what I've been through. And then the other person goes, well, my goodness, I've been... I didn't know you'd been through that. I've been through similar things. And all of a sudden, there's this bond that is built between two friends, two people. Jesus shows us how to do this. He just says, be vulnerable, be open. You know, Jesus is doing this. Go ahead and see for yourself. He's basically saying, Thomas, I'm here trying to earn your trust again. I'm holding out my hand to you. And Jesus puts his wounds right out there in plain view. Puts it all out on the table. Says, Thomas, take a look. Now, that's a bold move. Are you willing to do that in relationships? If you have a relationship that is stalled or stuck and you can't seem to move forward together, are you willing to be vulnerable and sit down and be the first one to share the wounds? That's tough. That's a little scary. Winston Churchill said that courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. It's also what it takes to sit down and listen. Somebody has to be willing to be the first to talk and to share and to take, make the first move. Finally, fifthly, let the other person know you're working to earn their trust. Just let them know you want to earn their trust. I love what Jesus does here. After he lets nothing stand in between he and his friend Thomas, after he chooses the right time and he after he speaks peacefully to Thomas and he's open and vulnerable, then he just says, I'm going to let it all hang out. And here's what he says in verse 27. Don't be an unbeliever, but a believer. Stop doubting, Thomas. Believe. In essence, Jesus was letting Thomas know, it's time to trust me again. I'm working to earn your trust. Now trust me. Trust me. I mean, Jesus didn't hold back. He told Thomas exactly what he wanted from, the, from him. He said, I want you to believe. Now that is very different than what a lot of people do today. A lot of people never really come out and say what they want from the relationship. 
They try to get what they want from the relationship, but they never really say it. They never really sit down and they look at the other person and said, you know, I'm really frustrated that you never listened to me, and I need you to listen to me, and here's how I want you to listen to me. Well, okay. You're going to tell me how to listen to you? Yes, because this is how I need you to listen to me. And this is what I want from the relationship. This is what I need from the relationship. Jesus is basically telling them, this is what I want. Have you ever done that in your relationships? Where you look across at another person and you say, here's what I'm really needing in our relationship. Here's what I really need from our friendship. And by the way, here's what I'm willing to give in our friendship. Because it's give and take, isn't it? It's give and take. Jesus looks Thomas in the eye and says, Thomas, stop doubting, trust me. Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. The aha moment. Thomas says, yes, I do. I trust you again. Wouldn't it it be wonderful to hear someone say to you, okay, I trust you again. I'll give you another chance and I'll give you a shot. It was funny. I heard one of my kids say that the other day. One of my kids had a friend that wasn't too good of a friend. And I remember my, my, my kid saying, but I want to give them another chance. And I remember when, when I heard them say that, that softened my heart. I thought, you know, I like that. This kid's willing to give this other kid a second ch- another chance to earn trust. I said, why don't we do that as adults? Why don't we give others a second chance? Why don't we give them another opportunity Well, we can. We've been talking about how to earn trust in relationships. And I'm here to tell you this morning, trust is the first key of a great relationship. And trust is not something you're born with, and it's not something you either have or you don't. Trust is something that can be developed. We have a history together. Every relationship has a history. And whether or not that history is good or whether or not that history is bad... Right this moment, from this point on, there can be genuine trust between people developed in a relationship. Speaking words of truth, being honest, keeping your promises, doing what you say you will do. These are small but easy ways to earn trust with another human being. And those of you who say, well, Brad, I've been hurt way too many times to really trust and to really give this person a chance. And, and you know what? You'll, that's a Holy Spirit decision. I wish I could tell you and give you guidance every single time on that, but I can't. In the end, you're going to have to decide, do you want this friendship? Do you want this relationship? But if you do, trust is the issue. When you have it, you know it. And when you don't, you miss it. Let's do what Jesus did. Jesus is the perfect, sinless son of God, yet he didn't feel that he was so superior he didn't need to try to earn Thomas's trust back again. That's amazing to me. That's called humility. <laughs> Jesus didn't do anything wrong. But he loved Thomas. And he knew it was a misunderstanding. And he knew that if Thomas just could see the evidence and could be with him, Thomas would trust again. Jesus was not about to let that wall stand in the way of his friendship with Thomas. 
Jesus wasn't going to let anything stand in between his friendship with Thomas. How about you? What about your friendships? Trust is the issue. Let's pray this morning together. Maybe trust is an area of your life that you've had problems with. Maybe it's been difficult for you to trust people. Maybe, maybe they've broken your trust. Maybe you've broken theirs. Why don't you just tell the Lord now? Why don't you just say to him, Lord, I, I want to get better at this trust thing. I want to be a trustworthy person. And I want to feel comfortable enough to trust those around me that I love. Lord Jesus, this morning we know that you rose from the dead. You told Thomas and the rest of the disciples you were going to rise, but he forgot. He didn't believe at first. Lord, the piles of sorrow, the piles of disappointment and despair and doubt just sort of overcame all of that trust. And so, Lord, you made sure that you broke down all of those walls so that you could build your friendship with Thomas again. Lord, I pray that you would help us as believers to do this with one another in our marriages, in our places of work, in our friendships, in our relationships. Lord, help us to value trust the way you do, Jesus. And Lord, in the end, we trust you. Lord Jesus, there's no one like you in all the world. You will never lie to us. You will never turn your back on us. You will never betray us, Lord. And I thank you for that. Lord, we love you. We want to follow you. And we want to be like you in our friendships. Will you help us to do that? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, Pastor and church. Thank you very much for that sermon. My name is Richard Henry. If I've not met you, and I'm here today to give an announcement, I'm on the prowl for singles in our ministry. And uh, if you're here today and uh, you're a single person and uh, you're looking to get connected with other singles, in two weeks I'm going to host a meeting right after church, and we'll have some pizza, potentially go down to Roma's and have a good chat and assess what our need is and uh, really see how we can connect with singles here and in other places and see how we can be a blessing and an encouragement to each other. So keep the lookout on that. You'll see something in the bulletin next week. My phone number will be there. You can call me at any time. And uh, it's going to be a great day as we serve God together. Amen? So I hope you came here today expecting a blessing, and I hope you received one. So now as we go out today, as they sing this last song, get ready to leave this place today and go share your blessing with somebody else. Wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, our God. You reign forever.